0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast for episode 204, La Dame Blanche. I'm Ronald D. Moore, executive producer and developer of the Outlander television series, and I'm joined today by Tony Graffia, who wrote this episode. Hello, Tony. Hi. This will be a fun one. Uh, this is a great episode, and today the scotch, the whiskey, as they say in Scotland, is Scapa, a 16 year old. So, Tony. It's actually, uh, it's, Slancha. Got, Slancha. it's actually a scotch Tony gave me many years ago at the opening of the Tall Ship uh, offices.
1: Yes, the big party to uh, christen Tall Ship.
0: Oh, and it's a good one.
1: Oh, it is a good it's one. It's nice. <clears throat> Very nice.
0: So we'll just sit here and drink this, mm. and you folks can watch the show at home.
1: We're, we're watching the credits, and I have to say I do love my credit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I'm probably more picky about the oh, credits right. than the, the other. I, I love being over the king, and thanks to uh, Mikey O'Halloran, and our editor, I believe who, who knew yes, how you much you cared
0: about exactly <laughs> which one.
1: It's like I got you a great credit. Yeah, so I was very happy, and I love your ship credit. I'm I mean, very happy
0: with the ship credit. That's awesome. Well, this episode uh, for long time, this was always g- we talked about this internally as this was the dinner party episode. This was a key right uh, story point in the book. <clears throat> They had this uh, pivotal dinner party where a lot of different things happened, and so in the structure of season two, two hundred four was always the dinner party episode.
1: You can imagine how happy I was to get the dinner party episode after having the witch trial last yes. year. It was uh, I was a little dubious about it, but it turned out to be a really uh, a really juicy episode.
0: That exterior shot that we just passed of is a recreation of Versailles. It's a VFX shot, actually, mostly. Most of those elements are visual effects. Some of them were compiled from actual photographs of Versailles Palace, and then our visual effects supervisor, uh, Richard Briscoe, And working with his team, created that whole exterior. This interior of the chess is actually in Prague. This is uh, a a real library, very ancient, or very old library that I think had been built originally somewhere else and then laboriously transported to Prague Mm. by somebody and recreated there. It's a huge, beautiful, beautiful interior location. So, this was part of our Prague shoot. Mm. Now, this opening here with uh, the poisoning of Claire is is definitely drawn from the book. I'm trying to recall if this is in the same place as it was in the book story. She
1: is poisoned in the book um, at Versailles. <clears throat> I'm not sure if it was over chess. Um, we had moved the baby naming sequence, which we had originally... Oh, right. um, you know, it originally was set in the book and I believe in the first script uh, in the bedroom where it was an intimate moment between them and they were talking, you know, about the baby names. We moved it and put it during the chess game because we wanted to create some friction there that to show that Jamie not only was, you know, not not romantic and, and, and having you know, making love with Claire, but that they also didn't have that intimacy that the couples have and that she was having trouble wrangling him even to talk about baby names to give her ammunition for the fight that they have later in this episode.
0: I think in the book version of this sequence, uh, she's poisoned and I think Jamie picks her up and she's taken to another, like a cottage or something in Versailles and there's a royal physician. Yeah, we
1: have the royal physician in the script and unfortunately he was cut for time, as were some, we had some French court ladies uh, fawning over uh, Jamie and I remember one of them said, oh, he can castle my queenside anytime and we had to cut them also for time, I hated losing them, but... uh, the focus here was on the Comte and what he's doing to Claire there, and to imply that he caused this poisoning in retribution for the sh- his ship that was burned.
0: I'm pretty sure in the book Saint Germain was there, right? And I think she did cross with him or saw him in the same room or something. So I think that was, but there was always, we were always trying to figure out exactly how to choreograph this so that you could kind of believe that it was probably the Comte de Saint-Germain, but you didn't have real clear evidence that it was him. Right. and
1: They couldn't know for <laughs> sure, or Jamie would just go kill the guy, and we couldn't have Jamie do that, because it would mess up their I whole plan.
0: Right. What and now we're back on our sound stages in, Is in it Scotland. Is an aftertaste? Perhaps a cascara?
1: Yes, we had set up in the last episode that she knows that Master Raymond sells this particular poison to people who want to poison their their enemies.
0: Yeah, without it being a fatal a fatal dose. I thought that I
1: possibly
0: us. But now this is where she tells him the Jack is actually alive, right?
1: Yeah, this this secret has been weighing on her for two episodes now and
0: I remember as we structured this, there was a lot. Of, some of the stuff that kept floating around was when does she tell Jamie that Jack is alive and how and under what circumstances? And it took a while. This was like a late development that it became this scene in the show. Right. And there was also I remember us playing around with well what was his reaction going to be, and I remember we came at some point in the in the structuring process we thought it would be fun if actually he was overjoyed at the news, right. which was in contradiction to what the last where we left last week, exactly. which is oh my God if Jamie finds out he's going to lose he's his mind,
1: go crazy and run out off <coughs> and kill him, and we wanted to play that as a surprise. Yeah.
0: The, king,
1: the pressure John, is really on Clara because thinking, not only did she find out he's he's he alive back in Scotland and she thought that, that Jamie might go back to find him in Scotland now, you know, knowing that he could meet Alex, the Duke of Sandringham's secretary, now Jamie wants to have this dinner party and Sandringham is actually going to be in their house. Yeah. And if Sandringham's going to be in their house...
0: Yeah, when Jamie started... Well, and the whole dinner party, you know, the dinner party was, was part and parcel of the book. A lot of key things happened there, like I said earlier. But the, the rationale for the dinner party was something we felt had to be tied into the plot that we were playing in the TV show more firmly. So the idea of having... Charles at the dinner party as a way of showing him up in front of the Duke of Sandringham was something that evolved in our discussions of what was the pretext for the dinner party.
1: Right. To derail the money coming from Sandringham to Charles. They wanted Sandringham to see what a bad investment Charles was and what what sort of a dreamer that he was in person. I need to tell you something.
0: Yeah, and here's the big moment when she finally tells him. You know, it's so funny. It's like literally today as Tony and I are doing this podcast (laughs) earlier, we were sitting downstairs at Tall Ship Productions working on season three (laughs) in earnest, (laughs) like working on story structures and breaks, Okay, how would this all work? And. And episode this is four, like, and, and this t- is episode four. This is four. like we've gone through the stones, and we've time-traveled back to <laughs> a different era. It's like so hard to remember, oh, yeah, God, 204, when in Such reality... Such a long time ago. When did we shoot this? Is this last fall? Uh,
1: it was last um, summer.
0: Last uh, summer. summer. So this is like I
1: was there from in the summer from uh, May through and, and this was July. shot
0: before we went to Prague, right? All the Scotland sh- stuff was yes. shot. All the Paris stuff, rather, was shot in Scotland. Then we went to Prague at the end.
1: Yeah, the interior Paris stuff was shot in Scotland, but we saved certain scenes. For instance, the upcoming Murtaugh and Ferguson scene was shot exterior of the hospital in, um, in Prague.
0: Which is very complicated when you're cross, it's called cross boarding when you're separating scenes like that and shooting them in, bo- in, in batches, which is a common practice. But doing it as aggressively as we did it in season two with Prague and Scotland and France and the South of England and all this right. kind of stuff, it's very complicated, not just in terms of the production, but also for the actors, because the actors have to remember oh, where they I, were. I don't
1: know how they do it, I don't know how my they hat's do it off to them. They have to shoot all these things out of order. And it's like, hey, today, am I happy? Am I sad? Am I yeah. am I mad at Jamie? Or, or how far along in the story are we? And it's very tricky to uh, boomerang those emotions from day to day. And they, they do it masterfully. Yeah,
0: they just do it so well. Like this whole sequence is the aftermath of her poisoning, but they hadn't shot the poisoning yet. And right. we shoot the poisoning for months. right. And I thought it was really important. I mean, we kept, there was a temptation to cut this little scene with Claire and Murtaugh over and over again, but I, it was just like a joke I couldn't leave on the table that he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. that afterwards she's like, I never thought, I don't know what you were worried about.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had
0: to have that joke. It was like, it just felt like it was incomplete <laughs> if we didn't play that.
1: We did have to, unfortunately, cut the scene at the bottom of the stairs where Fergus was. T- Talking oh, about yeah. the melons, he was. Fergus was talking about one of the prostitutes and how she had big melons or something. Yeah. And Jamie was just trying to figure out which one to talk to that he didn't have to sleep with. Yeah, he wanted yeah. to know which, which which of the girls talked the most. Um, we had to cut that for time too, but it plays later when Claire. You'll see when Claire's upset. about when She's him upset
0: about it with the prostitute. Brothel. Yeah, that was a really t- and she smelled of sandalwood. or yes. something, right. <laughs> and that was a whole. We played that again and again. I almost died.
1: Could have lost my child did you
0: sell Bitter to it's nice to be back in the apothecary oh, shop this to only one person
1: this, this apothecary is an amazing amazing set <clears coughs> maybe my favorite of the whole series so far and Gary Steele and uh, Gina uh, did an amazing <laughs> job building this and filling it with you know
0: Oh, you could roam in there for hours, oh, just uh, picking up little knickknacks off yeah. the shelves. every little thing, pieces. every little bottle. And some of them are really gross. Like, you pick up a bottle, that they would have literally floating goat fetuses yeah, in it exactly. or some crazy thing. And,
1: and now they're going into the secret room, which is a part um, from the book that we really love, the secret room that he had. And um, here's where, you know, she's... In the book, she finds an old wolf skull. It's from an old wolf, but we actually... Um, I remember Gina found some skulls that she said were even more, they were like prehistoric. That one is the one she picks up. She said some of these are like dinosaur skulls and prehistoric Mm -hmm. skulls. And uh, The the skulls and the bones they found were gorgeous and, and spooky and just really made this scene. And I love when Master Raymond says to her, I'm fascinated by things not of this time. Not of this time. And he's really, we had to keep telling the actor, you're staring at her because...
0: Yeah, that it's about her. It's about
1: her more than the bones. And it's like, how much does he know? Does he see through me?
0: Yeah, is he a time traveler? It's like you're playing all those kinds of...
1: How would he know? How would he he, know? There is something magical about this guy, and he does know. I'm worried about an old friend. And Claire, ironically, you know, there's not anyone she can talk to really about Frank, especially Jamie and... even though Jamie knows about frank she she's worried about him. We felt it was important to show that she she loved Frank once she's concerned about him, he's on her mind, and Master Raymond becomes her confidant and I love you know that that when she starts to talk to Master Raymond about him it builds a friendship between them and <sighs>
0: Yeah, and this is all... The, I don't think this was in the book, right?
1: No. Um, no, actually, this was your idea. Was it? The uh, We were going to have him read her... I had in the first draft, he read her astrological chart, which actually made no sense because she wasn't born in the year oh, that she dear. tells him she's born in, and he right. kind of gleaned that there was something off about her because she lied, and her chart make, doesn't add up, but... Um, we went away from astrology, that was a little cliche, and you said, oh, I've heard this thing about something they do in Africa, throwing the bones, do something like that. And I remember I Googled it and thought, oh, it's perfect, this is, and uh, I had read an account uh, off of Wikipedia or something about throwing the bones and using animal hides, and so I suggested to them the zebra hide.
0: It's, and it's, it's a nice, exotic. it's a truly exotic, exotic touch.
1: And it's something Claire knew about from her travels with Uncle Lamb because right. she went all over the world with her anthropologist uncle, so she she says I've heard of this and she I knew what it said. was. And I love when she That's says. When when Raymond tells her you I will see him like again and she's perplexed yeah. because actually in the opener of the season, in episode one of, of season two, we see oh, yeah. that she does see yeah, Frank again. Though, yeah. But the, the Claire standing here doesn't know, can't imagine that she'll ever see Frank again. So it was just kind of a little Easter yeah, egg nice to drop little, in there.
0: Nice little piece of continuity. Oh, and here's the the famous necklace, the stone. Magic stone. This is definitely drawn from the book. This this necklace plays a key role in subsequent episodes. Which mm-hmm. And there was a lot of, uh, I'm pretty sure Terry, uh, Terry Dresback, I think is her last name. Terry uh, (laughs) came up with, I think we left her the design of coming up with exactly what the the jewel was. The jewel was. Oh, there's your cuckoo clock. What do you think of my new
1: story? The cuckoo clock was actually taken from another section of the book that's in a much later chapter. But I knew because I'd actually written another script already. And it was in that chapter, and I knew I wasn't using the cuckoo clock for Episode 7, my next episode. So I stole it for here. The first version of this scene, actually, I had written it that Claire, that uh, Louise was sitting for a portrait with her pet monkey, which is something that people did back in those days. They'd have their little dog, little pet. And I wanted the monkey to get loose from her, run through the house, and Louise to burst into tears. And then Claire says, thinks she's crying over the monkey, but it turns out to be something more serious, which is that she's <clears throat> pregnant. But I remember David Brown, our, our fantastic Scotland producer, sent me a very short email that just said, Monkey stays in the cage. <laughs> yeah.
0: Monkey's not running around <laughs> <We're> the set. We're <laughs> not
1: going to have the monkey running around on the set. And I just had to laugh and go, All right, I get it. Yeah. I, I couldn't argue on that one. Um, and uh, we changed it and then that's when I said let's do the Cuckoo Clock because I love it and we can't use it in the other scripts so let's put it here.
0: I just like it. It's like a nice little historical detail that yeah. the Cuckoo Clock was like a new thing to them. Yeah. And it was like, ooh, look at this. In Have fact, you ever seen anything like in it? In fact,
1: we made it from scratch. Yeah, With yeah. Gina yeah. and Gary, they had this made by the same, I was told recently it's by the same people who made the watch for episode uh, oh, really? 13 last year. Uh, who made oh, the Watch for the Watch episode. They're, our pro- they're makers, and they make all these
0: historical things. Oh, films. that's great. It's a great clock.
1: It's a it's a beautiful clock, and it's not what the <clears> classic
0: poison yeah, cuckoo clock looks It's of.
1: not the German barbarian... Uh, the heavy wood. The heavy wood. We were surprised that it wasn't that. That's what we pictured. But it was even better.
0: And I'm sure it'll be auctioned off at the end of the show, so...
1: Of course I want to I want the watch, so someone else can... Yeah, the you can yeah, we'll
0: all be stealing various things.
1: I do love this scene because this is where we see a different side of, of Louise. <laughs> We've really only seen her be kind of a flighty, party girl, gossip, gossipy woman. And here she's got a real problem, and Claire, ironically, is the only friend that she can turn to, and she knows Claire's a healer. So she she goes to her, for, confides in her for one thing, which is to help her to lose the child. But as they talk... You know, Claire ends up counseling her and saying, "Well, what do you? What is it you want? You know, do you love the man? Do you want to? Do you want the baby?" And helps her to make this decision.
0: Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice scene between these two friends. would be Well, he's <laughs> not the one that's pregnant. There was a lot. I remember in the room having a lot of discussion about when do we, when do we reveal that Louise and. And uh, Charles are, are lovers, yeah. and when does that secret come out, and does Claire know does at this point, or does she... It, it, wasn't there even a version where this was where it was revealed, that Claire found out that Charlie...
1: I think there might have been, but we wanted to save that as, um, as a, a card that they play at the dinner party, so... Um, so
0: that at the dinner party...
1: We wait.
0: They supposedly didn't know. No,
1: we we wait and we find out when Charles,
0: an upcoming <clears throat> scene when Charles comes. No, through. no, no. But we were trying to preserve that the public face was yes. supposedly Claire and Jamie didn't know. That exactly, they
1: exactly. Oh, we talked about this scene oh, this endlessly. Scene, this we called the bite mark scene. This and it's, was. It's something from the book and um, woo Jamie. There we the go.
0: Trying to get to the. You know, how upset Claire could be, how defensive was Jamie, you know, how, what this really was about. Was this really about the prostitutes? Right. You know, wasn't it really about something deeper? Is it a funny scene? Right. Is it a heart-rending scene? Ultimately, it sort of starts in this light tone.
1: Right. It has to walk the line <clears> between <throat> all of those things because... We didn't want to play that Claire really thought Jamie had slept with someone else, because we yeah. all know Jamie really, it's unlikely that he would bed another woman at this point. But, you know, when women are pregnant, they're, they're emotional, right. and she she hasn't been intimate with him lately. So, it's re- he's funny and great in this scene, because he, the more he tries to explain, the deeper he gets here. But to him, it's really a great thing, because he, yeah,
0: he's excited. he felt
1: like... When you told me Jack Randall was alive, I got fired up again, and I wanted to find my way back to you. He thinks he's telling her a good thing, like, I was so filled with lust. And she's like, yeah, but not for me. <laughs> yeah. And it's a fun line, because there's a
0: certain, like, yes, men are stupid. <laughs> and we and we really will think dumb things like that. Hey,
1: buddy. Yeah, yeah. Good news. I am turned on. This hooker got right. me yeah. excited. Isn't that right.
0: great? But right. he couldn't be a complete idiot. So you right, had to sort right. of find a way so that at least he had a rationale. Of
1: exactly. That
0: it really was this deeper thing about yeah, and, his history you know, with Jack and how the Jack thing was holding him back and that this actually was a breakthrough. Right.
1: And she'd been putting up with him going to the brothel all along, knowing that it, it was just for political reasons. But, you know, when you see bite marks on your, on your hubby, you're like, hmm... Maybe I should have asked a few more questions about this whole brothel thing.
0: And this was also a time to finally talk about, you know, the elephant that's been in the room between the two of them since 201. It's really the aftermath of... Right. You know, Jamie's experience with Jack and how that was still affecting the relationship and how right. it kept them from being intimate all this time and really that Claire was able to sort of put voice to the fact of how this was affecting her that right. she had put up with right. it and dealt with it and tried to give him space and trying yeah. to be understanding. But there was a point where she's going, What about me? What about me, what about me? and what about us? And oh, my right. God, and, you know, you don't even... You with carrying our child. Of course I do. And
1: this is where, you know, Jamie... He gives his what we call the blade of grass speech, which was actually back from book one. It was at the end of book one, and we didn't we didn't play it back there. It didn't fit back there. But it was something that um, Meryl Davis, our producer, she remembered it, and I remember she came to me and said there was this thing we didn't use. We didn't have room for this blade of grass speech, which was very poignant. Is there if there's any way to get it in this season, and if there's any way it could fit, and when we when we realized that this was the perfect place for it. Because Claire's just saying, talk to me. She's not pushing him to do anything, but she's saying, let's talk. We're never going to solve this if we don't really communicate. Um, And here's where he gives this speech. And uh, the way it's used in the first book is not quite. It's a little more...
0: It's in a different context. It's
1: a totally different context. And I remember running it by you, and you said, it's okay if we use that. I love the speech, but at this point in the relationship, he's got to give it more... You know, angry, almost angst-ridden, grappling with it. Uh, it's not just a. It's not just a pretty it's piece of literature. It's yes. not just like a poetic explanation. It's got to be that he's. T- it's torment, more yeah. tormented, and it worked here.
0: Because it's a love. You know, it's it's a great example of you know Diana's skill as a writer because it's a totally. beautiful poetic speech, and all of us you know, instinctively, of writers, went. Oh, we—that's lovely. If there's yeah. a way to use it, but how do we use it in our version of the show? Right. And we keep, you know, it's great that Merrill remembered that, and that we keep these things in mind because you right. do want to use them if if you can.
1: Some things are sound really good when you read them, but then when you say them out loud, if if it's not done in exactly the right way, it doesn't particularly translate to screen. So we we do try to get in all those gems that we love, but find a way to do it that it it, it makes organic sense in the in the show.
0: Yeah, and it worked really well here, because it's you need, in fact, you needed, this scene yeah. demanded a, a moment of eloquence from Jamie, who's not, you know, it's not in his nature to be a flowery speech guy. Right, it would be, right. But this was a moment where he had to bear some part of his soul in a, in a really eloquent way to get through to Claire and get through right. the audience what was going on.
1: And then Jamie storms out to sleep in this, um, we had this little nook in the parlor, that a day bed, and we kept making jokes and saying, when we walked through the set, yeah. remember, we were like, somebody's got to Somebody have, has sex, have in sex in, there. in here, because it's the perfect place. At one point, it was going to be Murtaugh and his maid, and they were going right. to find them, and it was going to be a funny scene that they discover them. But we, it was actually your idea, Ron, that uh, that they have sex in here for the first time in, in many, many months. Um, the thought behind it being that it's dark and... That's that instead of all that talking and instead yeah. of all the analyzing and br- that it just be, let's break it down to just you and me in the dark and we have what we have. We'll never lose that. And and I love it. it was your line when that, that you put in when she says, find me, find me in the dark. Because it all boils down to that. If he can just forget Jack Randall and just even in the dark, this is the woman he loves who's carrying his child, by the way. And we, we didn't want to shy away from having having sex even with her pregnant belly. We wanted that to be part of it. Um, Kat felt very strongly that pregnant women are sexy and that we didn't yeah. want to to hide her belly during the sex scene or anything like that, like a lot of network shows do. We wanted to celebrate that and show it's part of their love. And I, I love this scene. It was a very... We weren't sure which episode they were finally going to reconnect. Um,
0: yeah, we kept, it kept moving around in the, yeah. in the overall structure about when, the, that, when their intimacy would resume. And it took yeah. a while before it landed here. And, it just, and I'm glad it did. It does feel, it feels organic to where the story is. Yeah. Because now they're operating more as a team. They have to get more as a team from this point forward. And then once we decided, once we found this nook and said, oh, it's having sex here, then that feathered really easily into this next sequence mm-hmm. when they're lying there and have this uh, a nice little moment and then he- hearing the footsteps on the, on the, on the roof right. and Jamie you know, following them out to the bedroom. it's the
1: start of the healing it's it's not like one time having sex there yeah
0: that he's fixed
1: done. or it's done but i like that he says that because it's just like we've reconnected now we can weather anything and at least i the healing has begun yeah
0: Uh, the scene of Charles coming through the window is is definitely out of the book. I think uh, one of the key differences in the, the, the series versus the books is, you know, in, in this section of the story in the book, it was still being told predominantly entirely from Claire's point of view. So it was the first time in the book, actually, when he comes through that window, that was the first time the reader ever met Prince Charles. Like, that was his introduction as a character. I think it
1: was. That's right. In yeah. the book, it was the first time we met him. Because
0: Jamie had met him. That's right. Jamie had met
1: him off... Off camera, <laughs> off page, and told Claire about him, but we'd never actually met Charlie in the book until this moment. We did preserve that Claire has not met him. Yeah, this is the first moment Claire's met him, so it's quite an introduction.
0: But it was it's, but it yes, was an interesting right. thing as we structured it. You had to keep we had to keep in mind that in the book version this was his intro. So right. you were meeting him for the first time. So it had a different resonance in the story and a different dramatic moment right. than it would for us. In the TV show, because we've yeah. met him a few times, and now he's coming in, we, and the scene yeah. had to be about more than just introing well, Charlie.
1: Yeah, we couldn't meet him in this sort of buffoonish way or this whole thing of the rebellion. If we showed Charlie as too much of just as a clown, it would have been like, why did people follow him? Why did he... We had to show him in those those meetings earlier to show that there was something about him that people wanted to follow him. He was smart about yeah. certain things. He did have a, a gravitas... Uh, He had two sides, he couldn't manage it, but but this was a fun scene to play, because she's like, it's Prince Charles. Charles. Also, Andrew Gower was awesome in this scene, because he did his own stunt, and we said, uh, you know, we brought him in basically, and like, you're going to stand on this railing outside the window on our stage, of course, and we're going to dump water on you. Because it's raining outside, and then we're going to throw you through the window, and you're going, Jamie's going to tackle you. He did it over and over about ten times, and he was a real trooper about it, um, and it, it looked great. I suffered a ghastly and
0: painful victory:
1: You have a hook too,
0: and I'll need a whiskey too. I love that. He <laughs> just instantly starts commanding them in their own home.
1: Yeah. I find myself in a rather embarrassing position at the house of friends. And then, of course, he he starts ranting about his mistress, which uh, we don't we don't know at first who it is.
0: Yeah, I don't remember in the book version of events when they connected Charles to Louise. I don't think it was in this. scene. I don't think it was from
1: this. I can't, remember, I can't remember, but but of course the famous. Uh,
0: God is forever testing me, placing obstacles in my path. I've overcome every one of them. I'll overcome this one too. I won't be deterred. Mark me. I will win her back.
1: Of course, when Claire sees that it's a monkey bite, that's when she puts it all together. Yeah, appears to be a
0: bite. An epidemic around
1: here. <laughs> her pet. It bites everyone apart from her. Ill-tempered, we beast. By any chance, was this bite by a monkey? So here's of course where they
0: and yeah, now putting all the pieces together for the dinner party was something we spent a lot of time yeah. figuring out. There was an early version of this where actually they were going to invite King James to the dinner right. party, right? Because James was going to be in Paris. They
1: were, they had intercept, intercepted a letter via <laughs> Fergus that where Charles talked about how his father was going to be snuck into town and, ha- and they were going to have a dinner party for King James who was going to drum up money and support for the rebellion. And the dinner party was originally going to be with James and Charles, father yeah. and son, king and prince. Um, and Claire and, J- and Jamie were going to have to try to host that and meet meet James. And, and it was
0: a similar motivation. It was, it was still to try motivation to, make, to, to make Charles, to make look, Charles look bad foolish. Yeah. in front
1: of his dad. But it was more a, sto- a father-son story yeah. about how Charles was embarrassed because his father didn't believe in, in, in him. But we went away from that in order to use our you know keep the focus on Charles, not the king, and to use Sandringham who was already our character that that the audience knew. God make us bad people. This is where they decide to use Louise and Claire I think they both feel really bad, you know, having to deceive these people that they've made friends with, but they have to justify that it's for a, a greater cause.
0: I love this transition and then this whole sequence here of setting the table. Yeah. The director D- Doug... This did a- was
1: Doug's idea that to do the setting of the table and sort of the...
0: We had to get Claire out of the house. So
1: that she could be gone for the preparations, yeah. because she has to reappear, of course, just in time for the party. <clears throat> right. we we'll
0: will
1: be home before sunset. All right. But take Myrtle with you. Fergus, too. Have her home in time the dress for dinner if you expect to eat yourself. Yeah, my word. This courtyard is all shot inside. It's yeah, interior, this is all interior on our set. Now we're in now Prague. this is in Prague. Yeah. This this, I scene, love between, this scene. It's a great scene. This was actually Matt Roberts' idea. He loves Murtaugh and he champions Murtaugh a lot in the writers' room. And uh, this is the the one scene pro- probably that was not really integral to the the plot. Yeah. Uh, it's a pure character scene. But and, and sometimes those get cut for time. But this one was just so.
0: I loved it. I just <laughs> wouldn't cut it. I was like, no, we're not going to cut, cut it. this. We got to find other things to cut. I don't want uh, right. to cut this. I just—it's such a great interaction between these two. Yeah. She's
1: promised to the vicomte, yet she's
0: with It tells you a lot about Fergus. It tells you a lot about yeah. Murtaugh, actually. A lot. I a mean, lot about Murtaugh.
1: Fergus grew up in the brothel, so ironically, he knows more about women than Murtaugh does. Murtaugh's um, a bit of a fuddy-duddy with women, although now he's in this little tete-a-tete with uh, Suzette. Um, and we and thought this would be awesome. Friend. That. And her speech,
0: which does not flow, like, yeah. Fergus
1: has all these observations <laughs> about women.
0: I love that. Ultimately, it's all about. it gets to the Suzette thing. Yeah. Is the best part.
1: Right. What about Suzette? Yeah. What about her?
0: She is in love. She loves every man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Suzette. <laughs> <laughs> I know the scene was written as uh, they were throwing um, knives at onions. And we called it the onion scene. But then when we got to Prague, apparently they didn't have onions. And I remember seeing the dailies, because Matt Matt supervised this, and I remember saying, what is that orange thing? And he's like, (laughs) it's a squash. What do you want from me? We didn't have (laughs) onions in Prague. We didn't have big onions. (laughs) (laughs) This is uh, Monsieur Ferez, and and, um, this is from the book that he is able to stop pain by using sort of a primitive, uh, well, primitive form of acupuncture a form of acupuncture that Claire didn't know about so she learns something here from him That's incredible. This was our very first day of shooting, the first day of the block. was oh, it? This was is day this. one? Yeah, and all they shot that day was the, the hospital, and it's because it was back-to-back with a hospital scene from, oh, from the previous episode. And I love Mother Hildegard. She's probably my favorite no, character from uh, book two. And uh, it w- it also wasn't really integral to the plot. I mean, Claire. we had to get Claire away from the house before the dinner party, but there was talk of cutting this, and I... For it because it was just purely selfish. I was like, I have to have Louise Delator in, um, I mean, Francis Delator, not Louise Delator, um, in my episode because I just love the actress. I still, still got a little bit, I'll take one more. Um, <coughs> this was shot at Glasgow Cathedral. In um, in Glasgow, it's a gorgeous church, but we converted it to have it look like a hospital, a charity hospital, and
0: the hangman's grease thing is so oh gross. yeah, the, <laughs> so, so like that's out of the book, right? Yes, that's that in the, in the book, book that they
1: use the rendered oh, yeah. uh, hangman's grease from the rendered Yikes. criminals. Um, but this is one of my favorite favorite moments where. Uh, when she tells Claire, "You're a great deal better than nothing," it's such a superb compliment, but said yes. in such a casual, nice. tossing it off way. Yeah,
0: it's a lovely moment between these two yeah. women. Yeah. We
1: we actually cut some of that scene because it was. Uh, she went on to tell Claire that she really should think about being a doctor someday, and. Offered to arrange a, for her to apprentice with a doctor at the Royal Academy of Medicine in France, and um, and Claire says she she'd love to, but she's with child and concentrating on her family right now. And we had to cut that, but it was that was in the first draft.
0: I remember there being a lot of tedious conversations and plotting, trying to figure out the timing of these events. Right. Uh, when the carriage was right. sabotaged, when they discovered it, right. how long to the dinner party? Where was Jamie? Right. Who who had arrived at the dinner party? How, how long would, would it take Claire to get to the dinner party? How would it party? take
1: long did it take her oh to God. get home? Is the sun down yet? Oh yeah. The French have dinner <clears throat> at <Yeah>.
0: five o'clock <laughs> what time? do they
1: have dinner at ten o'clock at night? course we solved that by having the Duke be the first one to arrive because he's so enamored of Jamie that he shows up early. Yeah. And, um, and this, of course, is a moment where Jamie meets Alex Randall. And the look on his face, he just literally has a shiver. You see yeah, how his shoulders go up? Really I nice. love how Sam did that. It was just a little shiver of like, ugh, this is the brother of Blackjack."
0: Yeah, see, you had to, we had to go to the clocks and then you have all these conversations. Well, what right. time does the clock say?
1: Actually, I think and how much light
0: <laughs> is coming in through the windows? Is it, is it after yeah, sunset?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, Alicia, our post-production, sent me some quick times of these clocks because it turned out the times were a little bit off. Yeah, they we, were off. We actually had to adjust the times to make this work. Actually, that's the names of my grandparents. Is that right? <laughs> that I used as names because they were French and I used their names for some of the Aww, guests. Oh, I didn't know that. This... Um, this dinner party and we're gonna see the table in a moment it seats 16 people and I remember we had to have a lot of conversations with Gary Steele and Terry because we didn't know how many people would actually fit at the dinner table it seats 16 but um, because the dresses were so wide we could not have eight women and eight men so we actually brought the table down to the prop room and then brought in 16 extras and we dressed them all and uh, we sat them at the table to figure out, and I think we figured out we could have four women and eight men, and and um, 10 men, or whatever, I can't yeah, do math. But anyway, way. we could have a limited number of women because of the bigness of the dresses. We really just wanted Claire and a couple of the wives and um, Louise. Um, we had some of the men bring male guests with them, like the general brings his aide instead of a oh, woman. Right, right. So we could fit more people because we wanted the maximum number of people. But it was fun because we put the place cards out too, and we had to figure out who sat who would sit where.) Um.
0: Now this. This was shot in this Scotland. This is in Scotland. Yes, this is this is actually outside the Duke of Sandringham's house in Scotland. Yes, right? the place same? we
1: the place we shot the Duke of Sandringham's house had a little alley out back, and Hoped, we used Hopton house. house. yeah House, and we had a um, <clears throat> we just used this little short alley and actually we've had this was a whole night shoot we started at dark and we didn't have enough uh, hours of darkness to shoot this so we actually had to cover with black tarps instead of them actually attacking Mary in the alley they start in the alley but they pull her into this little side cubby um niche kind of and that we covered with tarp to make it night because we actually didn't have enough hours of dark to shoot this sequence I do love when Claire, when she says Alex Randall and Mary says, is there another?
0: Yeah. (laughs) And Claire goes, holy shit,
1: yes, there's another, but you don't want to know about that. Now, these guys are not actors. They're all stunt guys who are dressed as the, the attackers because we needed stunt guys for the attackers, but they couldn't. They weren't actors, so we just had them yell stuff and then we replaced their voices with the French. Yeah. Except for Danton.
0: I was going to say Danton is Denton.
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> One of them is the leader. They did a great job, but this was so it was actually so upsetting to I was <clears throat> upsetting to watch in person. Uh, I remember the crew and uh, us being very like just to see poor Mary attack like that was very brutal. Yeah, the comp Saint Germain shows up and he's a surprise guest and that woman is his wife. I had had a really great time watching the people when we released the photos of who was at the dinner party long before this season started. All the fans were trying to guess, who is this woman at the dinner table, who is she? And the answer they'll find out in this episode is she was the comp's wife, which is something Diana had in the book, but it was only one sentence and Diana herself actually forgot it. So when I wrote in the script that the comp brings his wife, uh, Diana actually sent a note that said, the comp doesn't have a wife and I said actually he does it's in the book you wrote it and she laughed and, and said oh my gosh I forgot it I forgot that he had a wife that I wrote that which is understandable considering the the, uh, how gigantic the books are and how many she's written
0: how long but, ago and how long ago
1: it was that she wrote it but he did have a wife and we were like perfect we'll put her in the dinner party and um, everyone was trying to figure out for the longest time who that was
0: I think it originally in the uh the general was a much older gentleman, and then we made him younger so he could actually participate in the fight later on, right
1: I think so and the and the the um, <clears throat> fiance of Mary as well oh,
0: that's and right. then
1: here comes Louise, of course, with her husband. I don't believe we meet the husband in the book, but
0: yeah, I think he's just referred um, to, him.
1: but we wanted this. This train wreck to happen, where Charles has to see Louise after she's jilted him, and then he lingers, of course, a little too long. It becomes a little uncomfortable. (laughs) I love this actress. I do too. She's awesome. Claire. Her name is Claire. Sermoine. Sermoine. Yes. And also the costumes. I have to say, in this this dinner party, Uh, the prince. I love what he's wearing, and and. Louise just looks stunning, just amazing.
0: Yeah, whoever does the costumes does a really. I original.
1: don't know, but we should probably keep her. We should probably keep her
0: around.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love Suzette here. She comes out, and we we this wasn't in the script, but they improvised that you know she. Oh, this she's wasn't upset. in the script. Well, the part where she with cares Suzette. about Mur- Murtaugh, oh. that she she's worried because she's with Murtaugh and Nobody, you know, that's a secret. There was a lot of funny discussions about where the back door of the house was because they were supposed to come in the back door, but we didn't know exactly where the back door was. We didn't exactly have it. We didn't have a back door. We didn't really have a back door. We had a side door. We had a front door. They couldn't come in the front door or everybody would see them. So we just kind of, I think we just kind of. Staged in the
0: courtyard and we say there's a back door. (laughs) We
1: we just winged it and went, go in there, go up the door. Go (laughs) that way. Go that way.
0: Yeah, take the back staircase, wherever that is.
1: Yeah, and there was a lot of discussion about who or why they would cancel the party. And in the book, I think you did have some wonder of that if this rape happened, why wouldn't they just cancel this party? And, and here, we, we didn't want it to be that Claire is saying cancel the party. And then Jamie was saying it must go on. We flipped it. Yeah. And we had Claire say, no, we have. there's too much at stake. We have to go ahead yeah, and Yeah, I felt
0: like in the TV version of events that the party had to have a huge sort of plot reason to happen. That's not soft. You can still cancel send
1: everyone home. No, I've told you. There's too much at stake. Yeah, Claire
0: driving us forward.
1: We also had to see Claire putting on that crystal she always wears.
0: I thought that was important, too. I was glad we we, we were careful to always include this idea that right. the, the, the crazy, what to our point of view in the 21st century is to look back that they really did think that the victim of the rape had right. had been ruined, and that she was she a ruined would, she woman. She would
1: never marry. She would and be was, she would be ostracized the rest of her life over it. And,
0: and, and the the craziness of that, in our, our yeah. point of view, and that, and from Claire's point of view.
1: And Claire is shocked to find out that Saint Germain is there. Yeah. But he wasn't an expected guest. The Duke invited <laughs> him.
0: Yeah, Terry designed the, the necklace and the crystal, and there was a lot of discussion I, with her about, well, what kind of crystal would be? I really it be? liked
1: it. In fact, I'm wearing a crystal today. Oh, yes, and this you is are. A, more of a typical crystal.
0: Yeah, which but is we clearer didn't wa- we and didn't faceted. Wa- yeah, and
1: we didn't want it to look like that. We didn't want it to look like it came out of a trinket shop in San Francisco. and hate yeah. At- yeah, we didn't want it to look new-agey. And the crystal she found is more like a quartz, like it's solid, but it can still change color. It still shimmers. And it feels raw. And it, and it feels... And it feels hefty, like it has some gravitas to it, whereas these just seem a little trinkety, you know? I love how when Claire was walking to the dinner party, she walks fast, because she's hurrying, but right before she gets there, she just slows down. She slows down to compose herself, and the shot's from behind, and I just love that that um, Kat made that that decision. Kat, she, Kat,
0: I, I've said it many times, Cat always knows exactly where she is in every yeah, scene, emotionally.
1: She does stuff that's even not on the page. That she just makes decisions. Every decision she makes is feels right and yeah. true to character, and she never disappoints. I love this um, little transition here. Now they were supposed. To, Claire was supposed to share a look with Jamie. After that, mm-hmm. after she found out that Claire, uh, that uh, Louise had told her husband about the baby, she was supposed to nod to Jamie like, the plan's a go, bring up the pregnancy at dinner. But we, Jamie was in the back of the, the trailing in the back, and they couldn't make eye contact, so that was shot before, and we had to re- remember that we because we missed it there, we're going to have to do it later. And I'll point it out when they do it at the table, but it was added at the table because we couldn't do it on the walk and talk. This is a beautiful sequence. Doug McKinnon did a great job in choreographing and staging this dinner party. It's an extremely complicated uh, scene to do. Look at how many people are in this. How much food and utensils are involved.
0: Fortunate to
1: have The food is all real.
0: It was all cooked by, it was by our people in the production. All
1: cooked. We we um, like I said before when we when it was like a chess game figuring out who would sit where. We weren't sure if. Claire and Jamie should be at the heads of the table, or should the Duke be at the head since he's the guest? But we put him in the middle with Charles across from him so they could interact. We had to have the comp next to Claire, of course, so they can interact because she suspects he's behind the attack on the street. We had to have a Louise across from Charles in his eye line so that it could bother him to be looking at his mistress.
0: Oh, and talk a, a little bit about uh, courses and the way that the French did it.
1: Yeah, the we, we did some research, and our historian Danny had some fascinating research that it wasn't like um, in England, it wasn't like Downton Abbey where they served the courses separately, where they'd bring out one course, eat, and then take all the plates away, wait a little while, and bring the second. That the French were much more, you know, joie de bris and... and uh, into pleasure and that they would actually just bring out mounds of food all at the same time and just, you know, enjoy and um, so we don't have a lot of servants, we don't have a lot of formality here. The French it was very different and we wanted to play More sensual and it was More sensual exactly.
0: The I couldn't help staring at Saint-Germain and wondering whether he could have orchestrated such violence and then sat calmly across the table from me 2 hours later sipping his soup. Your perhaps we should enlighten It's really... Com- it, it, when you do... Uh, it, it's one of those odd things you don't think is complicated, but when you're just doing a scene where you've got like four people around a table... Oh,
1: it's hard to do four people. It's hard
0: to do four people. It's hard to, it's hard to even describe why, but it's about eye lines and where you set the camera and what direction right. they're looking and it's how that cuts later. a nightmare to yeah. And when you have this many people, oh. it's like... It's like a mathematical equation trying to figure out where everybody is and where they're looking, on what line, and making sure that you're tracking it all, and where's the camera, on what shoulder, and...
1: I know that Doug put the camera on one side of the table and shot everyone on that side, and then had to move the camera and shoot everyone on this side.
0: But we had to do
1: take after take, and they had to tell jokes, and they had to eat, and they have to match what they're eating. And I love this here because there's a whole layer of subtext going on between Charles and Louise, and Claire, who knows this. And now, I think is coming up where Claire gives Jamie the nod to go ahead with their plan, which is to mention the pregnancy, and which will make Charles lose his mind. There she goes. And then he quite innocently congratulates Louise's husband, which Charles is like.
0: I mean, if you go back and you watch this sequence, and you just think about where everybody's looking,
1: well, and how, yeah.
0: how the, aud- you have to have the, the audience has to know exactly... Who he's looking at in that moment. Yeah. When he looks to right. In your mind, somehow you have held in your head yeah, the order of the, the order dinner party without even trying. You just as an audience member kind of know where everyone's right. roughly seated. Right. And you have to kind of be able to track when they're looking off camera who they're looking at and who right. they're reacting to. I love this
1: one yeah. when, when he says <clears throat> Then when the turn comes when he says, but of course. the world is The world's not, always, <laughs> the world's not always happy. It's like, what and is he going to
0: say next? He
1: says this great phrase, which is porca miseria, uh, which is Italian, and I looked it up. Um, because, of course, Charles was raised in Italy, so he speaks Italian. And we didn't subtitle that, even though we subtitled the French. Everyone thought, oh, they'll get it, the audience will get it. But it means misery is a pig which basically is an Italian way of saying life sucks. And I love that Charles says that, and I love when he says that uh, Louise's husband is indeed a man in the dark. Yeah. Uh, it's a very dangerous liaison, this. this. In fact, I went yeah. and watched that movie. I hadn't seen it in years, uh, just to get the flavor of, of all the subtext that can come in these kind of you know proper social settings. Um, where there's always another layer of intrigue and going on. Politics and sexual <coughs> politics. It is a
0: beautiful stone you have around your neck madam. It's just a marble. It's a very modest stone. It's actually a very special stone it's very important
1: to set up that the comp knows what this stone, exactly what it is. He knows it's not a necklace. He knows it's for poison, and he knows she got it from Master Raymond. I love how he eats. He just
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's really good. <laughs> he's
1: very good. He's, he's really such good. a nice guy. And he's actually French, which I embarrass myself greatly one day by. Every time we decide what should be in English and what should be in French, and if we switch something to French at the last minute... We had to let the actors know so they could practice because most of them weren't French. And I went to his trailer and knocked on the door and I said, "I'm sorry, we've changed this scene. You've got to say it all in French. So I hope you can learn it by tomorrow." And then he answered in some big long French, and I was like, "Oh, you are French, aren't you? Sorry about that."
0: <laughs> okay, this is the pivotal thing. This is straight out of the book. You know, they come in, they have to mistake, uh, you know, the interaction between Alex and Mary as. Some of them have to mistake it for him attacking her, and this leads to this this brawl.
1: This brawl we had to practice so many times. We had to uh, Dominic, our stunt man, choreographed it, and we we didn't want it to be a serious brawl. That was actually your point. That was my note. point. Was I say it, if
0: it's a serious brawl, Murtaugh and Jamie would kill they'd all these kill guys. They just kill
1: everybody in two seconds. So we kind of went with this mo this three musketeers motif. Um,
0: it had to be a little lighter. A little
1: lighter where they're just fighting, and it was so fun to walk in that room the first day and go, look around and go, okay, what can we break? What can we throw? And it was a beautiful set, of course, so I'm sure Gary Steele was like, no, don't break the candlesticks. Or, don't knock over this couch. But we rehearsed it a, bu- a lot of times because it was very...
0: Fights take forever. Uh, fights
1: are hard to shoot.
0: This is a very Three Musketeers moment here with the, the, with the cord from the drapes.
1: Yeah. We always had this idea, by the way, that the show would end on Fergus slipping into the dinner table and eating a big old turkey leg yeah. or something. And we ended up with a little bit of a different ending. We cut back to Claire, but we didn't want to lose this moment because we, we always loved it. This was also yeah, your the, the idea. Kid. The kid comes in, drinks a little wine... He, I think we made it lamb chops instead of... Uh, yeah. Tur- we found out they didn't have turkeys in Scotland. They were like, there are no turkeys. We can't have turkey leg. I'm like, all right, it's a lamb shank or it's a... It's something. <laughs> it's um, one of those big things that you see at Renaissance fairs. That's all we care about. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's all we care about. And that's... There you have it. That's uh, episode 204. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tony. Thank
1: you very much.
0: We'll talk to you again soon in episode 205. Until then... Uh,